Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You are listening to the Intentionally Inspirational Podcast. This podcast is created for hungry entrepreneurs who are seeking motivation, personal development resources, and actionable tips. Now for your host, Jason Wright. What's going on, everybody? Jason Wright here. You're listening to episode number 95, Blazing Your Own Trail to Personal Profitability with Eric Rosenberg. Finally, a last name I can pronounce and don't butcher. Seems like if there's an opportunity to screw it up, I do. So anyway, uh, for the random story kind of beginning of this week's show, what I want to talk about is actually inspired by the guest today's website. And Eric's a really cool guest and has an awesome story. And he's got these um, income reports on his website, kind of shows you what he's been making in the business for several years. And people do that. Uh, Obviously, it builds trust. It kind of shows you what's working, what's not working, that type of thing. But it made me think about kind of the expectations for a lot of startups. And I talk to startups and have buddies with startups and have had one and I guess do have one myself. And what I'm talking about today is specifically expectations. You know, when I took my first big leap from the corporate world into entrepreneurship full time, I had a plan, but I had no income coming in. And my plan was I can ramp this sucker up quick and be ready to rock in three to six months. Well, here I am over two years later, still not at the level where I thought I would be back then three months in. So I think the point in all that is it takes time. You know, one of the best lessons that I could tell anybody is, you know, you know, be inspired, be motivated, be pumped up, but set realistic expectations for your timeline. And, you know, your business probably isn't going to blow up in the first year. I mean, it, it could, and I hope it does. But if that's what you're depending on to make everything work that you're doing, start it as a side hustle. Have some other sources of income. That's the best advice I could give anybody. And, you know, my expectations for, for my business growth going forward and even we've got even a new business, my wife and I, that we're, we're starting January 1st or January 2nd of next year. My expectations are different based on my past experience. So that's something I want to share with you guys today. Um, I hope you are a startup. I hope you're pumped. I hope you're motivated. I'm, I'm not bringing it down. I just want to say if your plan is to blow up in six months or a year, come up with another plan because it's, it's a very, very dangerous game to play. And, and not too many guys do that or girls do that. Some do. Most don't. So, Eric, your in, your income reports uh, kind of motivated that, but um, very cool stuff. Very cool to see that growth year over year. Anyway, um, as I've mentioned, the guest today is Eric Rosenberg. We're going to talk to him here in a second. Um, really cool guy, really cool story. Uh, I think you guys will enjoy it. Let's check it out. And by the way, five more episodes to episode 100. Almost there. Almost there. All right, let's check it out. What's happening, everybody? I've got another awesome guest with me this week. I've got Eric Rosenberg with me, and let me tell you what I know about him. He is an income growth expert. He is a serial entrepreneur. I think I can say that safely. He is also a podcast host. He's a website designer, freelance writer, among other things. Eric, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Not a problem. Did I uh, did I hit all the, the key points there on your intro? 
I think so. I'm, I try to keep myself really busy. I have one of those personality types. I call it shiny object syndrome, where I see something really exciting <laughs> and I just decide to be, become an expert. So I've also, um, I've been a nightclub DJ in the past. Um, not made a lot of money, but I have been paid to play, so I'd call myself a semi-pro. Uh, I got my pilot's license last year. have yet to make any money from that. That, that would be a way off. Um, in case the FAA is listening, you don't have to worry. I'm not trying to make money with my private pilot license. <laughs> um, I actually also own a flash mob company. That's probably the most unique business I own. I've, my wife runs most of that now, but we started that. It's called Denver Flash Mob. It started when I lived in Denver, and it was a, a very long and interesting road that led to me owning a flash mob company at the end. So we still help uh, run flash mobs for weddings, private parties, company events, things like that. So I, I keep myself busy, but as long as I'm making more money, I feel like that's the right hobby to have. Absolutely. Very cool. Well, uh, tell us about your journey from working for somebody else full-time to where you are now. I got bits and pieces of it off the site, but uh, I want to get it from you. It looks like a really cool story, so I can't wait. Sure. Yeah. So uh, if we go back to 1985 when I was born, no, I'm kidding. I won't go back that far. So <laughs> let's go back to, um, well, we'll go back to when I finished college. So I, I graduated from the University of Colorado with a degree in finance. Uh, the, uh, the first job I had out of there, I worked uh, in a bank. I was essentially the branch manager, but I was the lowest on the totem pole of like seven managers that my branch had, but it was the busiest branch of the company. So it was, it was a pretty hectic place, but I learned so much about uh, personal finance on top of what I'd already learned in college about finance and learned from my, my dad and my grandpa, things like that growing up. So right out of the gate, I was the guy you know, approving mortgages and new credit card applications. Um, I was in charge of customer service, the teller line, pretty much all the day-to-day -day operations stuff of my branch. And I didn't work there all that long. I decided I, I was more suited for a uh, more kind of traditional office environment than a retail environment. So I moved on from there, but everything I learned at the bank stuck with me. And when I left the bank, I you know started my next job. I actually was a waiter for a few months before I got into uh, corporate telecom kind of stuff, doing corporate finance. And I started this little blog in that time called Personal Pro. Well, it was called Narrow Bridge. It was called a lot of different names, but it ultimately became personal profitability. That's all that matters. And um, I started you know, just writing things I'd learned about you know, personal finance, banking, managing debt, managing credit. I graduated from college without any student loan debt the first time. So uh, I was writing about you know, how I managed my money, things like that. And and I, you know, I started that desk job, went back and got my MBA full-time while working full-time. So I was working a pretty crazy schedule, more or less out of the house doing something work or school related every day from around 7, 7.30 a.m. I'd leave to work and I'd finish class at either 8 or 10 p.m. So that was a very hard year and a half, but I made it through, came out the other side and was still planning to stay in you know, that corporate finance and accounting track I was on. Um, I you know, moved up, got some promotions along the way. I got some compliments from my boss, which always felt good. Not as good as a promotion, but I'll take compliments too. <laughs> so it was a it was a great path I was on. I was you know quote unquote living the American dream, uh, building that great income off of a solid education. But, but the whole time that little blog I'd started kept growing and growing, 
And I went to a conference called FinCon. It was first called the uh, the Financial Blogger Conference, then became FinCon. And I became very involved and active in that community. And mostly through that community, I started to see friends uh, branch out from their blog or start making enough money from their blog. They were starting to talk about leaving their jobs. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Could I really ever leave my job that pays me you know, I, I did an MBA. I was working in finance. I was making a pretty good income. And I was like, would I ever walk away from this to do some crazy online thing? I think I, around this point, I told my parents I had a blog. Even my mom wasn't reading it before then because, well, because I hadn't told her about it. <laughs> I started to tell my family and friends. And people started to uh, you know, follow the blog. It started to really grow. And then you know, I started to get these offers to write special articles on my blog and then start to write for other companies blogs and i was really excited the first time i made ten dollars i was like woohoo i can go buy like a beer or two um if i went downtown one if i stayed in my neighborhood too you know that's, that's how beer prices are <laughs> so i um i was so excited i was like cool 10 bucks online and then eventually that grew to 25 and 50 and 100 and now you know a thousand dollar plus some times depending on the project i'm working on and as that grew i started to look at how my income was going i saw you know, wow, I actually made enough this month to cover all my beer tabs, which, you know, I was in my mid-20s at the time, so that was an impressive feat. Uh, you know, after, after I worked downtown, so happy hour was pretty much every day. <laughs> and then, um, you know, I, I saw, wow, I'm covering my rent, and then I bought a place. I was like, wow, I'm covering my mortgage. And in 2015, that number of how much I grew made online grew to over $40,000 in revenue. Uh, which that was the point I was like, wow, I could maybe really make this work. And uh, my wife was pregnant. We had our baby. She's now almost two. And I thought with a six-month-old daughter at home, why don't I sell my house, quit my job, and move somewhere more expensive? And that's what we did. <laughs> we, <laughs> we packed up from Portland, where I was living at the time, and moved down to sunny Southern California. And I'm actually sitting looking at the sunshine out the window right now. And... I have been self-employed now for a year and two months, a year and three months. The real, um, so the real reason. Wood, all's going well. And in that time, yeah, my income has about tripled since I quit my job. I knew when I was getting ready to leave the job, you know, I was spending you know, 10 to 20 hours a week on this and made 40,000. I thought, well, what if I put like 40 hours a week into this? And it you know, skyrocketed to, I'm on track to about 130,000 in revenue this year. Wow, very nice. I didn't tell you this, but I actually brought you on here to try to uh, tempt you back into the corporate world. So are you interested? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's the old HR guy and me coming out. So very cool story, man. Very, very cool. I will say I'll, I will say I'll never say no to at least hearing an opportunity. I think that's a really good thing for all entrepreneurs, even ones who are dedicated to being self-employed for life. I'd never say no to listening because you never know what someone will say. I think that's very smart. I think you always at least hear somebody out. So very cool, man. Very, very cool. So when you were at FinCon, the only time I've ever heard of FinCon is uh, Pat Flynn talking about it. Did you ever meet Pat? Oh, actually, I know Pat. Do you really? I, I know. No, I don't know him that well, but but I know him. We've, we've hung out a few times, had a beer last summer in Chicago. Uh, just the two of us, which was pretty cool. I have to say that was like almost a fanboy moment. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know Ramit too? <laughs> Um, I've met him a couple of times. He'd recognize me and say, hi, oh, Pat would know, Hey, Eric, how's it going? Ramit would just be like, Hey, I've 
I've met you before, I think. Uh, but yeah, I've met him a few times as well. Yeah, I just knew that both those guys had come from that world. So very, very cool. The world's not so big after all, is it? That's crazy. You'd think that you know these big names in you know, entrepreneurship online, people like you know, Chris uh, Gillibo, Michael Hyatt, uh, these guys, you'd think they're so inaccessible because they're so successful and so big. But that I find, I, I went to World Domination Summit uh, when I lived in Portland. Uh, that's Chris Gillibo's big event. Um, he's from the Art of Nonconformity, and someone who had been a keynote but was just an attendee that year I went was Darren Rouse from ProBlogger, and actually Darren's book and blog were part of what helped me grow when I just started blogging in the beginning. So for me, meeting Darren was this like huge moment. I was like, oh my god, this is like actually Darren, and he really is Australian. I could hear you talk. Um, <laughs> and I actually was lucky enough. I, I just walked up to him. I said, you, know, I would not be where I am without you. Could I buy you a beer? And he said yes. So we had a beer. You know that that's how easy it is. You know who's going to say no to a beer or coffee? You know if they're if they're Mormon or an AA. Um, you know, there's always <laughs> some beverage you can share. Absolutely. Well, let me ask you this. Where do you think most startups get it wrong when it comes to financial growth? It's really easy to try to do everything at once and be everything to everyone that all of your potential customers might need or want. A lot, if you look at your business and say, what do I do really well? You know, as an entrepreneur, look in the mirror and recognize you know, here's what you're really good at. Here's what you struggle to do. You're probably pretty aware of that um, if you're an entrepreneur, but if you're not, it's worth taking some time and going through the exercise of trying to identify your core strengths and weaknesses. Like I say, you know, I have shiny object syndrome. That's actually, you know, it's exciting and fun. I see business ideas everywhere, but it's also a weakness because I get an idea, I start a new business and it's distracting me from what's working. So the best thing I think people could do to grow is focus on what's working and repeat. You know, if you see something that's working, why would you want to switch to do something else? Yeah, it might be more exciting. It might be more fun. It might be more variety. And I wouldn't say, you know, it's not a good idea to add and experiment with new things. But if something's working, don't stop doing it just because it's boring or it's not exactly what you want to do. If it's working, it's working. You know, take the money and try to grow with that. Absolutely. Well, let me ask you, this is kind of backtracking a bit, but when you, uh, when you decided to move down to California and do all those things and your daughter was just six months old, was there ever a point when you got down there and you kind of thought, man, what am I doing? Like, have I, have I risked too much? I mean, did you ever go through the, any of those big fear moments after you'd already kind of made that jump? Um, yes, I would say those first three-ish months that we were living in California, I had this nervous feeling of like, maybe I should have moved to Des Moines where the rent's a lot cheaper than uh, Southern <laughs> California. Um, I'd actually, I really had talked to my wife. I pulled up Des Moines and I was like, I was just like easy to pick on Iowa. Sorry if you're from Iowa. It's actually a cool place I've been, um, but it's easy to pick on. So I pulled up some houses in Des Moines. And I'm like, so here's what $500,000 gets you in Iowa. And here is the closet $500,000 gets you in LA, um, which we don't live in LA. We're about an hour and a half away. Mm -hmm. But we had to do that comparison. And I was like, wow, this maybe was a crazy idea. And we drove around town a bit to get an idea of you know, what homes we could potentially afford. And the, you know, we were rented the first year when we moved. We thought, you know, a year down the road, let's try to buy a place again and see what we might be able to afford. 
And that first couple of months, I was struggling to grow the income. I was making a, a little less than I had been on the day job, which I knew when I walked away from the day job, it would take some time to build it. But you know, being a millennial, I wanted instant gratification, and I wasn't getting it. So then I drove around town, and I, you know, we looked at this house, which I'm like, wow, this house is out of budget, and I don't even want it. It's like not good enough for what I want for my family. And it was a nice house, just not where I wanted to be. Didn't have the amenities I wanted. Mm -hmm. So at that point, I was definitely feeling the pressure and the stress of like, what did I do? You know, I had this beautiful house in Portland that I, you know, one of the most sought after cities in the country right now, people are moving there like crazy, um, which actually made us a lot of money on that house that we didn't own all that long. So I was like, you know, I had this nice house. I had kind of that dream and I just ripped off the band-aid and left and yeah so I, I was worried but when i was patient and, and kept working through it you know my that income started to creep up and creep up and it was actually the month that i went to fincon last year last year was in october september it was in san diego and i spoke at that fincon and i don't think speaking was necessarily the catalyst that blew up my income it just um coincided at the same time. Mm -hmm. And that was the first month that I hit 10,000 a month online. And that was the month I was like, <gasps> deep breath. I got this. And, um, I actually have only had one month below 10,000 since I first broke that line, you know, knock on wood. It's, it's possible any month I could go back below. I used to buy $200 a few months ago, but overall it's been great. And I've had some months as high as I, I think 16,000 was my best month of revenue ever which still blows my mind that I was able to make that on online. You know, that's almost five figures more than I would have made in a month at my old day job. Mm -hmm. So I was rocking and rolling and, and it's, it's, I do look back and check myself and say, you know, I know if I let up, I could lose a couple of clients. Things could turn around really fast. Mm -hmm. But I also experienced that if you put your head down and you work really hard and you're dedicated to what you're working on and you always, put out a very high quality product for, for me, it's for freelancing clients, then they'll want you back and they'll keep hiring you and other companies will notice and they'll offer you more money and uh, kind of go up the ladder like that to build up and level up your clients. So it was a humbling experience, but one I'm kind of glad I had now in retrospect, though it wasn't fun at the time to stress and wonder where I was going to live. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's, man, that's great. That's a great story. And you know, I love it because you know, every guest I bring on here has a different story and a different perspective and different twists and turns. And it just never gets old for me. I just really, really enjoy this. And I know that people listening, you know, may resonate more with you than, you know, the guest next week or whatever the case may be. But it's nice because there's so many different, you know, walks of life represented. It's just really cool because it, it is inspiring when you hear somebody that has that similar story. Like somebody may be listening and say, man, I'm in, I'm in corporate finance now. He did this. I can do this. You know, it's just, it's just really neat. So. Actually, have some friends from the FinCon community who are a big inspiration to me. And we mentioned Pat Flynn; he was also someone I looked up to. And then there was um, a fellow finance blogger, Michelle. Her site is um, Making Sense of Sense. I've heard of she that. She was also a corporate financial analyst. She quit her job and is now making you know, six figures a month, just like Pat Flynn through affiliates. And we came from more or less the same background at the same time. So I thought, well, you know, if she can do it. Why can't I do it? So. You know, affiliates, maybe maybe that six-figure income thing's next. I'm, I'm hoping so, but in the meantime, I'm still working to keep my freelance clients happy. Do you think the people that are making six figures a month, do you think they eat well? I hope so. 
I, I Although think... it's sometimes it's it surprises me the things that really wealthy people do or don't do that you oh, yeah. think they would. I mean, Warren Buffett's the the biggest example. He still has his same thirty thousand dollar house, though now it's probably more like a six hundred thousand dollar house uh, oh, yeah. that he bought years and years ago, and he's worth you know tens and tens of, like sixty seven billion, I think last I saw. Yeah, but uh, you know, it actually reminds me of a story when I was in undergrad at the University of Colorado. We had a speaker come out. Um, his name was Terry Gold. His company is called Gold Systems, and he his company did, was one of the first to do voice recognition for phone calls. So you called customer service and said, like, for say yes or press one, and you could say yes, and it understands you. His company like invented that. Um, so he had lots of money, like probably twenty million or so. I don't know. I'm I'm just making up a number, but more millions than I could have imagined having at, as an eighteen year old college student. And when he was up there talking, he mentioned that he had the same old Toyota from like the 1980s that was pretty much the only car he'd ever had. So he's like, why should I spend more money on a car? I have one that works perfectly well. And I think that is a an important concept to remember, especially me being you know, the personal finance background. It's e- easy to have lifestyle inflation. You see people, you know, they get a $10,000 raise, then they go buy a new car. But what did that car really cost them? I did the math recently. I've have not had a car payment in about ten years, and that saved me about twenty thousand dollars. Wow! Just cash I still have in the bank because I didn't go buy a car. You know, I cut cable years ago. I, another thing I did the math recently. I've saved this point probably about four thousand five hundred dollars. Yeah, that's multiple trips to Europe or India or wherever you want to go in the world or whatever experience you want with your family. You can get that by saving systematically. You know, for me, I don't care about, I guess, I know a lot of people care about sports on TV. For me, sports, it's just, it doesn't do it for me. I'd rather, I don't know, watch something on Netflix. So for me, cutting that $70 a month didn't really hurt my lifestyle at all. It actually got me to get out of the house more and be social with people more. I think that was a positive, in addition to all this money I've saved. So, you know, just because you're making a lot of money doesn't mean you need to spend a lot of money. And I try to live by that. Well, it's interesting you say that because I find the older they get. So I'm 35, 81 is my year of birth. But uh, so we're both in that same era. But I find the older I get, the less I care about stuff. Like I, I just don't care. Like stuff I used to really value or I thought I valued 10 years ago just means nothing to me now. So that's probably a good thing for everything you're talking about. So talk to me. I, a little- I might have regretted had I, I might have regretted had I spent a bunch of money on stuff. But I have no regrets about any international trip I've ever taken. You know, thing, those experiences, the things I do with my family and my friends, those are the things that I, I feel are worth the money. Absolutely. Well, talk to me a little bit about multiple streams of income and how important this is for any entrepreneur trying to do something online. Sure. So for me, it, it really hits home because when I quit my job, I had two primary streams of income I was leaning on. Uh, I hadn't done the exact numbers yet, but it turned out that about 80% of my income was coming from freelance writing, and 20% was coming from freelance website design. But I also had you know, Denver Flash Mob. I mentioned you know, a personal profitability makes a few bucks here and there. Not huge, but I'll take it. I'll take what I can get. So, uh, so for me, it was really kind of this 80-20 thing. And as I was working to build both, I realized... You know, hey, this this one thing is taking you know, about 20% of my time and making me about 80% of my income. Web design taking about 80% of my time, making 20% of my income. Maybe if I 
chop down what I'm doing on web design, I can grow the other. So if I just left my job as a web designer because I was making more money doing that initially, I might still be doing that where I'd be making less per hour, working a lot more hours and struggling to get by. But instead, I figured out where I was making the most money per hour I spent. And that's also when my income really started to skyrocket from you know, 5000 a month to 10000 a month and beyond. So that was one reason for me. Another important reason, you never know what's going to happen to one income stream. You know, so going back a few jobs, once ever in my career, I was let go from a job uh, that yeah, it was not something I expected. You know, I went in on Friday. They're like, well, today's your last day. I was floored by the whole thing. Um, but when I got home, I turned to my then fiance. I'm sure she was excited to have her fiance just get let go from a job. Um, I said, you know, it's okay because we're making, you know, it was, at that point it was a few thousand dollars a month online. So it wasn't going to cover everything. But between that and savings, we didn't really have anything to worry about. I could have gone on like that you know, six months to a year without getting a new job, and I would have been fine. I did end up getting a job. I was, it was a funny coincidence. It was like three hours after I got home uh, that day. I got an email from a recruiter with what was ended up being my next job that paid me more and was closer to home with a better boss and less hours. So wow. Like a few hours. So, That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, the stars aligned that day. A bad turned out to be a really good, but you know, that's – Still, something to keep in mind, you never know, even if you think you have a great job that's really stable, you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. You know, the economy could crash and they could lay off a bunch of people. Um, you can make one mistake. It could be an accident and that could be the end. You never know what might happen. But if you have multiple income streams, if one of them goes away, even if it's your biggest, you can still stay afloat a lot better than if all of your income just stopped. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, you know, I, I look at, um, you know, some of the, sometimes I look at like some of the trade businesses like plumbing or something like that. And, and I wonder, you know, the guys that, that do it really well, they're into a bunch of different stuff. You know, it's the plumbing, it's the drain cleaning, it's the water heaters, it's this, that, and they, they just keep kind of spreading out. And that, that's kind of a, you know, an offline example of the, of the same thing. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just really smart. Yeah. And it also, one thing that's interesting, and I've talked to other guests about this is, you may try something new, then realize, oh my God, like this is my big thing. Like I never thought this would be it, but I'm really good at it. The money's great and the opportunity's just ripe. So you, you never know. So it definitely doesn't hurt to try new things like that. So I'd love to hear uh, three tips from you now for the audience. So the audience is kind of, um, you know, zero to three year startup entrepreneurs. Um, some people may be making good money. Some people may be struggling and most are probably somewhere in between. Uh, give us three tips for living a richer life. And this could be personally or in business, and you can run with that any way you want to. Sure, yeah. So I, I pre-thought of three good tips, and because I can never follow the rules, I have a bonus tip also. Awesome. Uh, but all, all mostly focused around your business. So the first one I thought of was set a goal and follow through. So I'm, I'm in a group called a mastermind group. Our group is eight online entrepreneurs who are all dads. So that's what tied us together. But every mastermind group could look a little different. But in our group, we often find, you know, people are kind of floating out there with their business. And I'd say, you know, what's your goal? What are you trying to accomplish? And if you don't know what that is, um, that's 
you know, a big red flag. You should always set goals and then follow through on those goals. Or if you abandon one, know exactly why and why it didn't work and replace it with a new better goal. Uh, each goal should be specific and measurable and attainable. So, you know, don't say, um, maybe if you're Elon Musk, but most people shouldn't say, I'm going to make a billion dollars next year because you probably won't. But I was actually, the other night, I turned to my wife and I said, I wonder what it would take for us to have a million dollars in the bank in three years. So that's been kind of floating around in my head as a potential goal because um, I want something that's you know big and scary, but still something I could measure and maybe realistically do. I don't know. So, so that's something I've been thinking about. Uh, number two, shake off your doubts and the haters. Um, you know, being from a blogging community, I get to see a lot of nasty emails and comments and things that some of my friends have gotten or I've gotten. And every time one of those comes in where someone says, you don't know what you're talking about, or I hate you or whatever stupid internet troll thing someone's saying behind a you know fake name that's not really themselves, you know, they're kind of cowards when they do that. But the people that say that, they're they're telling you that you are a success because you are doing well enough that you have made them mad enough that it was worth them wasting their time to hate on you. So if you're worth them doing that, you know, rise above because you're doing something right and just keep on moving. Ignore those people. Um, three, find what works and repeat again and again and again. Just like you read on the shampoo bottle, it says, you know, lather, rinse, repeat. Just replace lather and rinse with whatever you do well in your business. Like I'd found um, a long time ago, there were a series of posts I wrote at Personal Profitability that were getting like 10 times the traffic every other post on the site. So I could have just kept doing what I was doing. But instead, I thought, wow, these posts are working really well. I need to write more posts like these posts. And no surprise, those similar posts performed really, really well. So for me, it was blog posts. Again, every business is different. Maybe it's plumbing maybe you find that you are the fastest router in the west and uh, people love that you show up so fast or something whatever your thing is it doesn't matter we, we can make up examples all day find that thing that you're really good at and that customers rave about and where you're really making your your bread and butter with the effort that you appreciate the most so you're not feeling like busy work not something you hate um, so then bonus tip never quit uh, it's easy to give up on your it's easy to be down on yourself if you're having a bad day or a bad week or a bad month. But if you quit, then you're done. You know, you, don't, you never know what will happen if you stick with it. It could bounce back. I mean, obviously, there's some financial implications. So yeah, when I say never, you know, try to never quit. Um, you know, if it comes down to like your family will be homeless if you don't quit and go get another job, then go, go get the other job. Keep, keep your family in a house and fed. But if it's a side hustle specifically you know stick with it keep trying new things keep experimenting you pivot maybe but don't quit no i love all that you know one thing i'll just kind of echo for you because i just get fired up even thinking about it but it it drives me crazy how many people talk about doing something but they do nothing you know and and the people that have taken action and done something like he said for god's sake give it a chance you know, if your timeline, if you're a millennial as well or younger and your timeline's like, I want to see success in three months, well, here's a newsflash. It may take longer. So take action and give something a chance to work. So, I mean, that's, you know, two areas where I see people fail and complain all the time. And it's like, what, what do you expect to happen? You're not going to build, you know, 10 grand a month up in, 
you know, 60 days more than likely. It's going to take a little more time. So <laughs> no, if very good stuff. If you figure out how to make 10 grand a month in 60 days, please email me and let me know how so I can do it too. <laughs> <laughs> me, too me too. Put me on that. On my, uh, yeah, my last mastermind call, uh, one of the guys, uh, my friend Jeff, said he read that most business ideas take a thousand days to realize their success. That's three years. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, so that's not overnight. That's not tomorrow. So mm -hmm. you, you have to give it time to grow. For me, I'd started my personal finance blog in October 2008, and I quit my job in April 2006. So I like to joke that it only took eight years of hard work and I was an overnight success. There you go. Yep, absolutely. No, I mean, it's, it's so true. I hear that all the time. And, you know, the, one of the painful lessons I've endured is uh, failing horribly at something because I expected too much way too quick. So very good. Well, here's a bit of a curveball for you, but I think you'll, uh, I think you'll like this. So for the entrepreneur trying to do anything, um, you know, everybody's hopefully got some kind of a platform, whether it's YouTube or it's a podcast or it's the blog Whatever the case may be, how important is it for a new entrepreneur to get featured in as many places as possible? Like I told you before the show, I've noticed you've done this once or twice. Yes. Yes, I think it depends on – go back to my number one. What's your goal uh, and what do you want to achieve? You know, So for me, uh, being a writer and I'm working on building up a speaking – a public speaking business where I can go speak about personal finance and entrepreneurship topics. So for me personally, getting on podcasts is the number one way people might find me. If they think I sound good here, hopefully they'll think I sound good on stage. And I like to think I'm not ugly, so I'm not too bad to look at either. Um, so for me, getting out there and being in as many places as possible is vital to growth. But some businesses might not require that. Uh, it really just depends on what you're doing. But you know, for most businesses, uh, you'll need multiple customers. You know, it could be you find a few really good customers, and it doesn't matter how famous you are. You could have three good customers and just you know chug along with them for years and be happy and do well. Um, but there's a lot of risk in that because one customer might leave, and all of a sudden you're you're in a hole. Um, so most businesses, you need more customers. You need that kind of constant inflow. And if your business is that type of business where you keep needing to bring in new people, absolutely, it's important to get out there and um, bring Pat Flynn back up. He says, be everywhere. Um, but then he has a little asterisk after that says, but only be there if you're going to do a really good job at that, that place. So you know, it's tempting to go set up a YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, StumbleUpon, Reddit, and I could keep going. Every, Google Plus, if, if that's still around, um, all it the is. different social networks. You can, I, I know, I'm joking. <laughs> but you can sign up for uh, all these different social networks, and uh, if you're not there on any of them, doing anything, or you're just there sporadically, you won't see success on any of them. Now, you you probably should sign up for all of them just to you know, protect your your usernames and your branding, but maybe. Twitter isn't your thing, but Instagram like photos, that's your thing. And for my brother-in-law, he's in construction. He's built tens of thousands of followers on his Instagram profile because um, he takes really cool pictures of job sites where he's running giant caterpillar tractors digging holes in the ground. And I got to go with him to a, a convention called Con Expo in Las Vegas 
a few months ago. And all these people kept saying, oh, you're Michael Wilhite. You're Wilhite grading from Instagram. Like, So for him, that was a big thing. And that has led to multiple companies, including you know, Caterpillar and some specialized equipment companies, one called Trimble, giving him free stuff to use for his business. They're not paying him, but he's getting you know tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars. I don't know all the details in free equipment because he's recognized and they hope he might put a picture of it on his Instagram account. So you know, for him, Instagram was huge, but he doesn't really tweet at all. Uh, you know, for me, um, I, I I juggle a few things. I, I try to be active on Twitter, Instagram. I struggle a little bit um, outside of when I'm traveling. You know, it's easy to go on Instagram when you're traveling because you're seeing all new stuff. But I don't know how many pictures in my office uh, any followers want to see from my day to day. So yeah, again, it depends on on you and what you're doing with your business. But you know, set that goal and follow through until you reach it, and that could very well mean a podcast or social media or a blog or something like that. Mm-hmm. Very good, very good. Well, Eric, what is next for you? What are you thinking about in the next six months for your business or businesses? Um, the number one thing, which I just mentioned briefly, I want to really build that speaking side of the business. So last year I mentioned I spoke at FinCon, and that was a great success. Uh, everyone seemed really engaged, really enjoyed that presentation. So I started applying for some more conferences. And at the beginning of the year, uh, when I was setting up my life list goals, you know, some people call it a bucket list. I like uh, what Chris Gillibo calls it a life list. It's a little less morbid. So I was setting up my life list at the beginning of 2017. I said, by the end of the year, I want to speak at one major conference at least once and get paid to speak at least once. So I did the application thing. I spoke at TBEX. It's a big travel blogging conference. It's like FinCon for travel blogs. And I spoke there in April, or no, it was May, uh, in early May and had a great time. It was an awesome conference, met some amazing people. And that talk was great as well. I actually have that one free online on my YouTube channel if you want to check it out. Um, but I have not done the get paid to speak part yet. And that is uh, a very high goal by the end of the year. I think you'll get there, brother. I believe in you. I, I think so, too. I just need to give myself a kick in the butt and follow through on that goal. You know, I set the goal like I said I needed to, uh, but my follow through has been mediocre because I've been so focused on my writing clients. You know, that's that's part of the challenge of multiple income streams. You know, it's when you're juggling so many balls, it's easy to drop one. So I got to pick that one back up and, and keep running. Absolutely. So if Eric, if somebody listening has been inspired by your style or your quick wit or something you've said, what's the best way they could contact you? Sure. The best place to go, personalprofitability.com. That's my personal finance blog and podcast, or ericrosenberg.com to learn more about my businesses and, and side hustles a little more. I'm planning to start writing there more in depth in the coming months. So um, even though the blog, there's a little still, keep your eyes peeled. Or you can also uh, shoot me a note on Twitter. I am Eric Profits on Twitter. Very nice. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Awesome. No problem. We will catch up with you next time, okay? I'll talk to you then. All right. We are back to the show. Eric, my friend, thank you. Appreciate it. And if you guys want to check out the show notes from this episode, it'll be intentionallyinspirational.com forward slash episode 95. And last week I failed to mention the show notes, but they're episode 94 if you want to check those out. So same formula, different week, different show. 
All right, guys, I appreciate the ear. I hope you are pushing hard to reach all of your goals for the rest of 2017. I hope you are setting even bigger goals for yourself for 2018. I can't wait to hear about them and share mine with you as well. Thanks for listening to the Intentionally Inspirational Podcast. We will catch up with you again next week. If you enjoyed today's show, leave us that wonderful review on iTunes and subscribe. We'd love that. We will see you next week. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Intentionally Inspirational. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. We look forward to having you join us next week for another great episode.